Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 295 of How Do You Write? This is a special bonus mini episode brought to you by my patrons at the $5 a month and up level, which means at that level, you get to ask me any questions you want about writing. And I am your mini coach. Um, I really love doing this. And right now I don't have any classes going. Usually while I'm teaching classes, I'm doing three or four, well, three uh, Q&A videos a week and I miss doing them. So please patrons, let me have your questions and let's jump into them because I've got some really good ones. So this is from an anonymous source today. Uh, she did not want to be named because she's out there doing the work, being published, writing her books. And uh, But I thought this was a great question. She says, okay, how do you know if you've outgrown your editor? I've been working with mine for many years, and though they continue to give some great feedback, I'm worried that they're not pushing me as much as they used to. Is it because I've really grown that much or that they are less invested in making my work better? Is it me having a moment of, do I really suck and they're not telling me? Or do I ask them to be tougher on me? Or is it time to work with someone new? I have worked with other editors and I've always felt that this editor was the toughest on me, but I'm wondering... So I I kind of feel like there are really you really named the directions you could go with this. Truthfully, you have probably just gotten better. And because of that, and because you've been edited by this editor for a while, you may have adapted yourself to their quirks and their preferences and what they're looking for in a manuscript. You know what I mean? So now you're doing that well. And it is very, very possible that you are having that moment of just being worried about yourself. You know, that imposter syndrome, I can't, I can't possibly have written this book as, as well as they say I did. So uh, where's the disconnect here? Are they lying to me? Are they having a bad day and didn't want to edit my book any deeper? Um, Of course, you have those thoughts, but what has more likely happened is that you have reached the edge of their expertise when it comes to your work, which is fine. If you have producing, if you've been producing books that you are proud of with this editor's help, then you're in the clear. Like this is, you could, you could keep doing that forever. But the question is, Perhaps you would like to reach out and work with a new editor to gain some new skills because the, the, the two most important ways that we get better as writers is simply to write and to write our little hands off and then for our work to be edited by an excellent, proficient, tested, vetted editor you get a million times more use out of that than you would reading any book or taking any class in the whole wide world. Having 
someone who knows what they're doing with their eyeballs on your work and their hands in your manuscript, pointing out the places where you didn't quite pull it off and where you might want to work harder. Again, they don't tell you the solution most of the time. They say, this is a problem. How will you, how would you like to fix it? And that that is the number one way to get better. So I like that over the course of my career, I have worked with so many editors at so many different publishing houses and editors that I've hired myself. Um, it is always nerve wracking finding a new editor. However, there's readsy.com, uh, which I love vetted editors. You can converse with editors uh, and have them look at a little bit of your work and get sample edits. Um, you can have that conversation and you dear questioner patron, um, you have been in the industry enough that you know what you're looking for. So it is possible that it might just be time for you to reach out to another editor for your next book and see what happens. Also, transparency is always fantastic. And I don't think you would be out of line in sending that editor, even if it's been you know a week or two or three, sending that editor an email that says, you know, I'm just looking back over these notes and I feel like perhaps you have been easier on me with this book than you have been in the past. If that is at all true, is there anything that you would like to add to your analysis of this book that I could be looking at? Because, you know, editors are human. There, there are sometimes when, you know, I can imagine that as an editor, they sit around and go, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this book, but boy, I'm really tired. And I could bring up that, that one problem, but I don't know how to say it. I don't even know if it really is a problem. Should I bring it up? Oh, no, just, I just can't. I just need to go cook dinner. I'm not going to bring that one up. It's, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. And then you give the editor that chance to add something if they want to, but probably they don't. Probably you have just uh, become one with this editor and now you write what they want and um, what they know is good writing. And you might you might get something out of a new editor next time. But I would not worry this time that they are letting you down too much at all. You can, like I said, uh, send that email, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried that they're going to respond back with it. Yes, I didn't want to tell you the bad news. Your book sucks. That is <laughs> absolutely not what they did. So uh, I love that you asked this difficult question. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, okay. And then I've got a couple of questions here from Sophie B. Uh, first question is, do you think social media presence is necessary for a book to have any success? My goal for a first book would be gentle success. Nothing crazy. Just some people read it and liked it. I avoid social media for a happier brain, but I don't want zero readers. And I like the idea of connecting with readers. And uh, oh, we're going to stop at the end. We're going to answer that question first. So um, I don't think social media presence is absolutely necessary. I think it can usually come in handy. The bare minimum for social media presence, and it really doesn't even feel like a social media presence, is to have in the book that will be published in some place, in the beginning or the end, or in both, usually in both places, have a place where they can sign up to your email newsletter list. Have and then you know you have your email newsletter list hosted somewhere. I use ConvertKit. I know Mailchimp is free for the first couple thousand. Uh, once you have that hosted there, you have set up a little autoresponder sequence of some sort, which means that you'll never have to 
go in and do something when you get a new subscriber, when you get a new subscriber because they read your book and they loved it and they want to know more about you in the future, when you come out with the next book, they get an automatic email that says, hi, welcome to my list. And then you set the expectations of how often you will reach out and email them. And uh, if you're anything like me, you'll say, I'm going to contact you once or twice a month. And then you don't contact them for 11 months until the next book comes out, which is something that I'm actually actively trying to work my way out of. If you are on my email list, you know that you've been seeing more emails from me. But the nice thing about emails is that number one, of course, they're they're yours. You get to keep them. doesn't matter if Facebook folds, doesn't matter if Instagram folds. Those people have said that they want to continue hearing from you. They have opted in to hearing from you. So it's really the best thing that you can possibly have. So definitely have a way to collect those people. And also they already love your voice. They know what your voice is and they want to hear more of it. And you're going to give them that opportunity in the future. So I think that's the that's the real bare minimum for a writer to have. I have talked to some very, very sad writers in the past who are just furious and bereft that they didn't set up a newsletter when their first book hit big and you know the publisher got all those emails, but they didn't. And now they're trying to relaunch a career and they never got those emails from 15 years ago or 10 years ago. So um, don't, don't be that person. Get that, get that set up right away. In terms of social media presence, be where you want and don't be where you don't want to be. Um, I'm having a great deal of success for the last month since I went on that writing retreat. I am not on social media at all. And what I mean by, and that's a total lie, I am on it. But what I mean by not being on it is my brain isn't on it and I'm not scrolling anything. I took Twitter and Reddit and Instagram off my phone and they are they continue to be off my phone. I can look at them on my computer and I have, but honestly, I don't like to be on my computer at my desk if I am not working. I don't goof off here. I'm always working when I'm at my desk. So I am still posting to those places. If I have something funny that happens, I'll comment on it on Twitter. I am putting poems up on the Instagram. I'm posting pictures from my sailing onto Instagram, but I'm not scrolling anything. So my brain stays quiet. And um, and the second lie that I have embedded in there is that I, I did not take TikTok off my phone and I am glancing at it a couple of times a week for short amounts of time because boy, does my number one input in terms of the Clifton uh, strengths Boy, does my number one input like that. I have not, if if I was spending more time on it, I would remove it as well. But I have been really, really content just to open it up a couple times a week, look at all the videos that other people have sent me and then just close it down again. So that's kind of my relax brain time. But to bring it back to you, Sophie, the reason I'm saying that is you can be on social media and post when you have something to post, as in when you have a book coming out. Is it ideal? No, but I have found, I have successfully found authors that I want to connect with. Say I want to have them on my show and they don't have a a website that I can find. I'll find them on Twitter. And this just happened recently. They had, this person had a Twitter account and they hadn't posted on it for four or five months since their last book came out. And when their book came out, they posted about it. I was able to find their contact info from that and get a hold of them which was perfect. That's what I needed Twitter for in that moment was a connection. So you can have the social media accounts. I generally recommend grabbing the social media accounts in your writer handle, in your writer pen name, whatever that is, just so that, you know, what if your book takes off and you don't have 
the Twitter handle for yourself, you don't want somebody else to have that Twitter handle and be impersonating you. So grab those and and park them. You can pin a post to the top of things and say, this is this is where I am. I'm not on Twitter, but here's my book that's coming out if you wanted to. I will also say that if you don't want to do any of that, it's completely fine. But do consider very carefully the decision to uh, get those emails, start collecting those emails, even if it's just one or two at a time, they will, they really, really will add up. Great question. Second question from Sophie is when self-publishing a book, when do you decide it's good enough to send out into the world? This is one of those times I wish for blind confidence because I can always think of reasons a book isn't that great, but can it ever be? Is it good enough when you imagine people enjoying it? Do you ever publish books you think are fine simply because you feel finished and have had it edited, copy edited, et cetera, not because it's the best thing ever? Oh, I love how you asked this question, Sophie. And yes, the answer is always, always, always yes. Uh, art is never completed, only abandoned. I, I want to say that was, uh, I can't remember what famous person said that. That's how my brain works. Um, art is never completed, only abandoned. We get to a point with all of our work where we just have to say, I am done. I could, you could, anyone could continue making their books better and better and better for the rest of their lives. And that means, because that is true, that means there is a point at which you must accept that it is good enough for now. It's fine. It pleases you as much as it can. You've had it edited and you've done the edits. You've done those revisions. You've had it copy edited and you've cleaned it up. You've had it proofed. So now it's as clean as it possibly can be. It's time to send it out knowing that you have done the best job you can do. And generally, I think I've, I, I can't remember where I've said, I was saying this recently. I hope it wasn't on the show, but um, generally when the person comes to me and says, when do you know that it's really, really ready to go out? Generally that person is ready. Generally that person is on the cusp of hiring all the editors that they need uh, of hiring a cover designer. People who ask that already know that the answer is I have done the best I can. It's a, it's a different kind of question than the question we get from a person who has just finished a first draft who says, oh, when can I publish it? That's a different um, feeling behind that question. That question always needs to be responded uh, with a a little bit more care and caution and um, reminding them that you cannot, well, you could publish a first draft, but please don't ever, ever do that. What you want to do is a second draft where you take the book apart and then put it back together again. And then a third draft where you make it even better and then passes where you're making it tighter and tighter and tighter until you can't, you cannot think of one other thing to do to make this book good enough. And then you hire the helpers that you need to help. And then you put it out there and you start work on the next book. And yes, it is always a little bit of a heartbreak uh, because there is, there will always be that specter behind you that says, I could have I could, if I'd worked harder, I could have pulled off my vision of the book. Here's the truth. We never pull off the vision of the book. We always have a vision for the books that we're going to write. We always fail at hitting that vision. The feeling we thought that the book would evoke, we don't, we don't pull it off. Uh, the plot gets away from us and it's just not as, as, as uh, devastating as we thought the plot would be. 
But at the same time, the book becomes what it needs to be. The book becomes what it was always supposed to be. And that is better than the ideal that you had before you worked your way through all the permutations and changes that occurred while you were working on this book. So the reality of a finished project is always going to be better than the dream that you had that we all fail to hit. So accepting that as, as Becca Syme says, as the, some of the essential pain of being a writer is super, super useful knowing that it's not going to be, it's, not, it's never going to feel like it's perfect and like it's ready to go. It will never feel that way. So it's just about choosing the day. I, it's like, you know, when uh, women, this is absolutely not like this at all, but I'm going to use a very uh, uh, clumsy metaphor. When, when, when women get to know that they need a cesarean section and get to choose the day, they're not going to be ready on Tuesday, the 13th, but sure. Put it down. That's when the doctor's available. That's when the, the baby will be at full enough term to come out safely. Is she going to feel like the nursery's perfect? No. Is she going to feel like she's ready to raise a child? Um, and, and all the mothers right now are screaming at the at the uh, stereo where my voice is coming out. Yes, I am not a mother, so I don't know any of this, but it does feel a little bit like that. You can choose a date. And when that book goes live, you will not feel ready. And you will always feel like you could have done a better job. And yet you did it. A complete job is better than a perfect job because a perfect job is impossible. So thank you for these delightful, delicious questions, Sophie and anonymous. I really appreciate them. Please, if you are a patron at the $5 and up level a month, uh, come give me some more questions. I'm all from fresh out of them. And you can go look at that Patreon over at patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, if you want to know anything more about that. Otherwise, I wish all of you very, very, very happy writing. Thanks for being along on this bony bony menace, bonus mini episode. I did not get very much sleep last night and I'm talking like it. So happy writing, everybody. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>